truth, great. Your tribe has increased. Uh, I want to encourage you to read ahead. Now, we're going to finish chapter 3 tonight. And we're talking about something very, very important. Uh, it's one of the um, stronger messages of, of my life. And uh, it's very rich. I'm going to start at chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to finish out through verse 21. And then we'll finish chapter 4 in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to learn about prayer and not worrying and all that good stuff. But tonight, in the Joyful Letter series, we're going to look at the windshield and the rearview mirror. And learning to forget. Learning to forget. How many of you can say, you know, life has had some tough spots for me and there's some things I, I know I need to forget? Okay? Amen. Most of us. Well, let's stand and just read uh, verse 13. Uh, for, uh, let me start over. Verse 13 here. And um, this is out of the, I think, the New Living Translation. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray tonight that some of you that are held back by a memory, by something in the past, that you're able to get set free. You're able to be released and delivered. That's a work and a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so let's, uh, let's look at verse 13, Philippians 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. That is, I haven't reached perfection. I haven't re reached everything God has for me. But I focus. Can everybody say focus? I focus on this one thing. Now, what's the next word? Forgetting. The past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, notice, forgetting, looking. Forgetting, reaching. You can't reach if you don't let go. Okay? Now, look what he says. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, let's pray together. Place a hand over your heart, would you? I want you to pray a prayer with me. Say, Lord, tonight. If there's any memory holding me back, any bondage to the past, set me free. I receive your word and the operation of the Holy Spirit to set me free so that I can reach for God's best. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up. It's going to be good tonight. Now, you know, I'm a word guy. I tell you that all the time. I, I love words, and um, I, I'm kind of an amateur etymologist. I, I love the roots of words, because uh, words came down to us for a reason. And there's a powerful meaning behind words, especially Bible words. And so when I hear a major word in a text like forgetting, and you know what I tell you all the time about, uh, I'm going to, Go away so you'll quit looking at the screen for just a second. I'm going to talk to you about your Bible study. When you're studying your Bible, always have a pen or a pencil or a marker in your hand. If your Bible is too holy to mark in, tell me, and I'll get you a Bible that's not as holy. And I'll get you one you can mark in. Because your Bible can end up being a journal. You know, I, I've been reading a lot in Jeremiah and Isaiah, and I noticed... In my Bible right here, this one, I've had this for years. And going through Jeremiah and Isaiah, I've run across verses that I marked and dated long ago. 
And I can remember what I was going through, what I was experiencing, what it meant to me back then. And you can use it to track your spiritual growth. Your Bible needs to be a book of memories, not just information. This is your sword. This is your shield. This is how uh, Jesus defeated the devil. I mean, this ought to be with you all the time. You ought to carry the Bible with you all the time. Don't go out of the house undressed and don't, don't go out of the house without your Bible. Okay? So when you, one thing you do, when you're reading a verse and a word or a thought jumps out at you, underline it, stop, mark it, and then date it, and then write next to it what it meant to you, what it said to you. That'll cement it in your spirit. And so when I go through verses like the one we're looking at tonight, uh, I see the wor a word like forgetting and I want to know what it means. So I pull out my Strong's and I pull out my Vines Dictionary. And many of you that have been with me for a, for a number of years have both of those because we've had Wednesday night series where I got you both of those. And we may do that again. Get everybody a Strong's and everybody a Vines Dictionary of New Testament words. But now, we know the New Testament was written in what language? Greek, go ahead, say that's Greek to me, all right, and the Old Testament written in what? Hebrew, and your strong concordance will take a word like forgetting, show you the Greek word without you having to know Greek and tell you what it means. Now here's what the word forgetting means, and it's very powerful. It is not a word that means, well, eventually I'll forget. With time, I'll forget. Because when you're wounded, when you're hurt, time does not make you forget. Okay, so the word forgetting comes from a word meaning to choose to put out of mind. I make the choice to put something out of my mind, to quit dwelling on something. Now let me tell you how you do that. You can't just say, I'm not going to dwell on that, any more than you can say, I won't think of a pink elephant in the middle of this room. Quit thinking of a pink, don't think of a pink elephant in the middle of this room. All of you right now are thinking of a pink elephant in the middle of this room. You know how you put something out of your mind by choice? You choose to think on something else. You can think about what you want. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 4.8. So you and I, in our little noggin there, in our brain, the gray matter in between your two ears, God gave you the ability to think about what you want. You can't just kick something out. You've got to replace it with something. And that's where the Word of God comes in. I can't tell you how many times I stop in any given day, well, not chronically, but a lot, any given day or night, and I'll quote to myself that verse, Philippians 4, 8, when I can see my thinking going where it shouldn't go. You can start worrying about something and say, you know what, stop. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to think on these things. If I'm afraid of something, I kick the fear out, not by just saying I won't fear, but by place, or replacing the fear with a Bible verse. Fear not, 
God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 365 times in the Bible, we're told, fear not, be not afraid. So the way you choose to put something out of your mind is you say, you know what, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm going to think on true, just, pure, lovely, good report, any virtue, any praise. That's what I'm going to think about. Okay? It's in your control. It's a choice. Now, many Christians have trouble forgetting and going on beyond their sinful past. This is a real trick of the devil. The devil is called diabolos. Diabolos. Two words. Dia, through. Bolos means to hurl. He is an expert at hurling a condemnation with such force it seems to go through you. The devil will remind you of your past. God will remind you of your future. The devil is an expert at bringing your past up to you, making you dwell on it, feel bad about it, feel condemned about it, feel hopeless about it, feel like you don't deserve blessing. God is an ex excellent at saying, I know the thoughts I think towards you, and they're thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. I've got your future on my mind because I've washed your past away. But now here's the principle. You can't move on until you let the past go. Now Paul the Apostle is telling us something in Philippians 3.13, very important. He's saying if you're going to reach for what God has for you, and he's got something marvelous for everybody in this room, if you're going to reach for what God has for you, you're going to have to defeat the devils trying to get you to go back into your past and be hung up on your past and unable to receive forgiveness and receive release from your past so that you can reach for what lies ahead. You're going to have to defeat it. Now I want you to remember who it is who told us this. Paul had all kinds of things that he had to forget. I'm going to tell you what I think he went through. When he was walking on the road to Damascus, he wasn't on a horse. He was walking. I don't know why people say he was knocked off a horse. The man was not on a horse. He was walking. And he got knocked to the ground. I just want to clear it up. I've heard preachers say, he was riding on that horse. And God knocked him off his horse. And I started looking, where's that horse? There's no horse. He was just walking. And he got slain in the spirit. And a light shone around him. And a voice came out of heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the convictions I'm sending to you. And all he could say is, what do you want me to do, Lord? You're the Lord, obviously, what do you want me to do? But you know what we're told in the Bible? For three years, he disappeared. For three years, he went into seclusion. Now, I'm going to tell you what was happening to him in seclusion, I believe. He was having a lifetime of theology overhauled. He was going through some major stuff. And if you think Paul did not wake up in the night sometimes with the cries of the people who he had persecuted and killed and imprisoned, the cries of the children who had been taken away from their parents, the cries of the parents as they were devoured by wild animals. If you think those voices and those cries and those memories didn't rise up to haunt this man, and you think the devil didn't hammer him, who are you to be saved? 
Who are you to walk with God? Who are you to be called by God? Look what you did. If you think he didn't have to deal with it, I guarantee you he had to deal with it in spades. So in verse 13 when he says, look, I've realized something. God's called me. As we saw last week, uh, he apprehended me. I've been apprehended. And when he apprehended me, he apprehended me with a purpose in mind. I want you to say something with me. I don't have a fate. I have a purpose. You don't have some nebulous fate. You have a purpose. And God apprehended you for a purpose. Now he apprehended Paul with a purpose in mind. Paul realized, I can't reach for it. I'm never going to get it. I'm not going to be able to, to really run towards it until I let go of the past. I'm going to have to receive the forgiveness of Christ, even though he said later, I am chief among sinners because I persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. But he received it. So you can't move on, church. You, you can't move on until you let the past go. Never give up control of your life to a memory. Don't give up control of your life to a memory. You can't walk backward into the future. Your past mistakes should not become memorials. They should be cremated. Your past mistakes should not be tombstones. They should be stepping stones. And I guarantee you, I, I've been pastoring 25 years now. I've seen people make mistakes, fail, really get off track. And you know what? It became their tombstone. They never returned. They never got over it, never got past it, never got around it, never went after God again because they allowed a failure or something in their past to become a tombstone where they were buried and they live in the past. But then there are people who say, you know what, I believe in the grace of God and I believe in the blood of Jesus and I believe he has broken my chains and set me free and I believe that nothing that I do can be defeated or is greater than the blood. And so instead of this being my tombstone, this is going to be my stepping stone. That's the kind of person I want to be around. I don't like being around people who live in the past. Man, if, if somebody's living in the past, you know it in five minutes. You know why? Because misery is a yesterday person trying to get along with a tomorrow God. Misery is a yesterday person trying to get along with a tomorrow God. If you can't go on with God and let him forgive you, you're going to be miserable. You'll never see the sunrise in the east looking west. Don't you love these little quotes? I love them. I pulled these out of my book. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Because this is one of our messages. But you never will see the sun rise in the east if you're turned around looking west. You've got to go forward. There is a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. Because you're moving forward through the windshield, not the mirror. But there are people who live life this way, looking in that rearview mirror. If only, if only I hadn't, if only she hadn't, if only he hadn't, if only it hadn't. 
The Christian life is progressive and it's daily. We mature progressively through successes and failures. Successes and failures. Good times and bad until we're finally taken home. Even Paul had not arrived and he said so in verse 13. Now I want to talk to you about four hindrances to letting go of the past. I want to get into this because this is so real. If there's anything the devil wants to steal from you, can I tell you what it is? It is what the blood did for you. The devil wants to steal the reality of what the blood did for you. The blood washed your sin away. The devil hates that. He loathes it. Because his very name, Diabolos, devil, he who hurls condemnation, the accuser of the brethren, that's what he does. So let me talk to you about some hindrances to letting go of the past. Here's the first one, over-romanticizing your past. Now I want you to listen to uh, the scripture. This is one of my favorites, Ecclesiastes 7.10. Why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Oh, those were the days. I pulled out this old 1968 song today. You remember it. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance forever and a day. Those were the days, my friend. We'd live the life we choose. We'd fight and never lose. Those were the days. Oh, yes, those were the days. Those were the days, oh, God moved back then. Oh, those were the days. We didn't even preach sometimes. we just get together and worship. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they would never end. <laughs> oh, there was so much peace, so much joy, so much power. Too bad that those were the days. You know what that statement says to God? You can't do it again. You've run out of tricks. You can't bless us again. The best you had was back there. And it's a slap in the face of God. Listen, he did it then, he'll do it now. If he did it then, he'll do it again. Exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask for or even think of. Don't ever sit around. Listen, don't be one of these, those were the days people. We get tired of hearing about your past. Listen. Those who say those were the days are people with no vision. You can get around two kinds of people. Those who say those were the days, and you can mark it down. If that's all you ever hear out of them, they are visionless. But you get around people who say, oh, I'm telling you, I've got a sense of what God is about to do. Then you've got somebody with vision. I don't want to live on memory lane. I want to live on what? God is going to do now, street. I'm thankful for what he did back then, but he's not done. He's not finished. So over-romanticizing your past. And have you ever noticed, back when you were in those days, about which you're talking about now, when you were there, you didn't think that those were the days when you were there. there did you ever stop and think about that? 
They were full of trouble, full of pain. You used to say, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, get me through this. Oh, God, carry it. It's only when it's gone that you look back and say, those were the days. When you were there, you were moaning, you were crying, you were praying, you were binding, you were loosening, you were praying for a better day. But now that you're past those days, those were the days. Have you ever noticed that? We're crazy, baby. Now here's another thing that keeps you in the past. Clinging to the past. Clinging to the past. I want you to look at this quote about Lot. When the angels came into Sodom and Gomorrah to take Lot and his family out, they couldn't get them out. They couldn't get them out. They said, you better get out of here. They, they told them, we can't do anything until you're out of here. Now get out of here. And Lot and his family would not leave. Look what it says he did. While he what, everyone? preached to me. Lingered. Say it louder. While he lingered. When God tells you to get out, you better get out. And don't linger in a place where God has departed. God will say sometimes stay and sometimes he'll say, giddy up, get on out. And if you stay once he has said get out, it's only going to get worse by the day. Because he's going to take his hand off it, his blessing off of it, his presence off of it. What did they finally have to do to the man? They're trying to deliver him from being roasted alive. What did they finally have to do? The angels seize him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. For the Lord was merciful to him, and they brought him forth and set him outside the city and left him there. They wanted to take him to a new place. But he would not let go of the old to go to the new. And his wife never did get over it. I often wonder, why did she turn around? Because they said, don't look back. And Jesus said, you better remember Lot's wife. Well, what am I supposed to remember about the woman? That she turned into salt? No. That she was so overly attached to the familiar and to her past that she could not let go to receive the new. Oh, I should have preached this on a Sunday. This is good stuff now. I want you all to get a hold of this. So what made her turn around? She said, oh no, my home, my past, my familiar surroundings. What's happening to it? I can't let go. And she froze and became a pillar of salt. Huh? And what does she remind us of? Jesus said, remember her. Here's what she reminds us of. Don't cling. Keep a loose grip on the things of this world. Because it's all going to pass away. Strong story. Lot could not let go of the familiar, and his wife was even worse. He resisted change. This kept him from the new place the angels were trying to take him to. He literally had to be coerced into letting go. And I'm going to tell you, church, in the dealings of God with you and me, there are times God will coerce you. If you won't let go of something that God's hand has lifted off of, and you won't obey him, he'll coerce you to let go. I guarantee you, God can get you to let go of something. 
Oh, yeah. Because one day you wake up and you say, hey, he used to be here with me. I used to feel him every day. I used to have joy in this place. And now it's gone. And I'm getting more miserable by the day. God's saying, that's because I got a new place and I want you to let go. You know, there's uh, some monkeys in Africa. It's a true story. This is a true fact. And the natives will capture these monkeys. Here's how they do it. They get a gourd, all right? And they will put food inside this gourd. And the gourd has an opening in it just big enough for this monkey to get his hand into. And the monkey will put his hand into this gourd and grab hold of what's in it, but because his hand is full, he can't pull it back out. And they come and they capture these monkeys who all they had to do was let go. And they could pull their hand out, but they won't let go. And so they get trapped. God made us the things we can see to teach us the things we cannot see. There are people who have their hands full of something. God's saying, let go. Let go or you're going to stay trapped. Let go. Here comes the devil. Let go. You better let go. (laughs) You better let go. I hear you. Well, Pastor, what, what could he possibly want me to let go of? Oh, you'll know. You know what you're supposed to let go of. Don't talk to me that way. Holy Ghost is telling you what you need to let go of. He'll inform you real good. Let go. Okay. (laughs) All right. I have fun teaching. I do. I I love teaching the Word of God. But I know this is real. Oh, I know it's real. Now watch this. Here's another thing that will keep you in the the past. Condemnation over your failure. The feeling that you don't deserve a new day. Condemnation. You should live in the failure of the past as a punishment now that's the voice of the devil so you stay tied to your own whipping post I got a letter I picked up a letter tonight on the way to church out of the P.O. box and it was from upstate New York and it was from a pastor who got a hold of my book believe it or not the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror and he wrote me a five page letter And the letter got worse as I read. Long story short, about halfway through the letter, I realized he was writing me from jail. And he said, Pastor Jeff, I've read your book twice. It has saved me in here. And he said, the hardest thing for me is to look in the mirror and forgive myself. Sometimes you can forgive the world, but you can't forgive you. And who are you to not forgive you? Has it ever occurred to you that when the Word of God says you've got to forgive your brother, that brother might be you? He said, please pray for me. I'm going to court November 13th. And I could go to prison for a year to three years. He said, please pray for me. I've lost everything. And please pray 
that I can forgive myself. And you know what? He's going to have to. Because if he doesn't forgive himself, he was a pastor. He's never going to be able to pastor again if he doesn't forgive himself. God says, the blood of my son has freed you to walk into a new day. I want us to read that together, can we? The blood of my son has freed you to walk into a new day. Now I want you to preach to your neighbor. Tell him the blood of God's son has freed you to walk into a new day. Tell somebody. I like this quote. Failure is a man who has blundered and is not able to cash in on the experience. If you failed, at least cash in on it. If you failed, at least learn from it. Okay? Failure is not fatal or final unless you quit. Failure is not fatal or final unless you quit. Now here's the last thing that will keep you in the past. Bitterness. Watch out, the Bible says, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. This will keep you in the past like nothing else. Bitterness keeps you bound to past people and past events. Bitterness allows the past to control your present. If you're bitter, you're living in the past. If you're bitter, you're living in the past. If you're bitter, whoever it is or whatever it is that hurts you is controlling you from the past. And they may even be dead. And they're controlling you from the grave. But until you forgive, you're back there. You're in the rearview mirror. You look in that rearview mirror many, many times a day. If you're bitter, you're adjusting that rearview mirror. All throughout the day. Oh, there they are. There it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was awful. That was terrible. Those sorry rascals. And you're driving. Crash! Man, I'll tell you, bitterness will kill you. It'll kill you dead. Ruin your life. Ruin your walk with God. I remember one time, seriously, I was doing a crusade. We were preaching the gospel in a park. And, and we had our band set up, and we were out there to, to preach. It, actually, Lee Park in Dallas. We had all of our stuff set up, and I was nervous because I was the preacher, and I was really nervous because this was a bunch of hippies, a bunch of, bunch of druggies, a bunch of lost people, and I was about to stand up and preach the gospel, and I was nervous. So I saw a snow cone machine. I said, well, there's my answer. I'll go get a snow cone. I'll be all right. So I was walking to the snow cone, and this little man, this little man walked up to me, and he said, what you doing? I said, well, I'm here to preach the gospel. And he said, oh, okay. Let me buy you a snow cone. I said, you got it. So he bought me a snow cone, and we began to talk. And I said, well, where do you go to church? Well, I mean, we shot the breeze for a little bit, and then I brought up the, the church word. Where do you go to church? And his countenance changed. And darkness came over his face. I'll never forget it. So distinct. And he said, I don't go to church. And I realized I'd walked on a landmine. And I said, oh, why? And he took off telling me what these people had done to him in church. And how they had ruined his life and hurt his feelings and taken advantage of him and used him for their own purpose. And he went on and on and on. And I'm thinking, you know, always the restorer 
I'm thinking, well, I'll take him and I'll go meet with his pastor and I'll try to work this out and get this guy back in church because after all, he bought me a snow cone. I said, well, where's your pastor? I don't know. And I said, well, maybe we could talk to him. Where is he? I don't know. And I said, well, how long has it been? 21 years. 21 years. Gone. Gone. Eat up. Ruined. By bitterness. He was so vivid with it, so real with it, so now with it, I thought it had happened like a couple of weeks before. 21 years. He walked with this. Stuck there. So if you want to move forward, you've got to forgive. What a heartbreak. His name was Job. What a heartbreak, Job. What a heartbreak. Notice Paul's resolve. I choose to put out of mind what is behind me so that I'm able to reach forward for God's best. How many of you want God's best? I do too. And boy, the devil will fight you with the past. He'll fight you with the past. He'll fight you with the past. You can't have any of the tentacles of the past that hold you down and tie you up and chain you and bind you because you won't be able to move forward. So I, I wanted to really look at this because that man in the jail, he's going to have to forgive himself. Joe, I hope Joe eventually got for, set free and at least enjoyed what, had, what it remained of his life. I don't want any of you to be tied to the past. Sometimes you've got to forgive people 30 times a day. Sometimes you've got to do it when you don't feel it. Most of the time you've got to do it when you don't feel it. If you're waiting until you feel like forgiving, that feeling's probably never going to come. Because who feels like forgiving somebody who really wronged you? You don't feel like it. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. And, and you just got to say it. I forgive them. I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. And say it enough times, it'll begin to loosen your spirit and set you free. But say it and get over it and go on. Or you will drive through life looking in that rearview mirror. Now in verse 15, he tells us that if we are mature spiritually, this is the way we will live. Look what he said in verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, guess what? God is going to make it plain to you. If you're living in the past, God's going to make it plain to you. If you're not forgiving, He's going to make it plain to you. But if you want to be spiritually mature, you will think the way we just read. That's spiritual maturity. Now, Let's quickly finish out. Hang on to what you have. Look what he closes out the chapter with. As a citizen of heaven, we are to hang on to what we have experienced in God. Watch verse 16. He says, quote, But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. We must hold on. How far have you gotten in God? Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Don't backslide. Paul is saying, live up to your position in Christ. You're a child of God seated in heavenly places. Live like it. Don't let go of what you've achieved. Have, have you been able to get into the Word more than you did before? Don't let that go. Has your prayer life increased? Don't let that go. 
Are you more faithful to church? Don't let that go. Don't let your progress go. You know that I love to cycle. And the other day I was cycling and it was a strong wind. And I'm cycling and, and invariably when you either go or come, you got the wind behind you and the wind against you. And here's what I thought the other day. I'm going down a hill. This is when I was leaving. I was going down a hill with the wind at my back. I mean, just cooking. 30 miles an hour, it says to me, on my speedometer on my bike. 30 on a 10-speed. I'm really cooking, feeling great, things whisking by. And I got right down to the bottom of this hill, and then it hit me. I turned around. And when I turned around, it's back up. And guess what's blowing against me now? And then I thought, this is just the way the devil works and the way the flesh is. The minute you say, I'm tired of this church stuff, this faith stuff, this Bible stuff, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And it feels like the wind is at your back. And it feels like it's downhill. And the devil, he's right there with you saying, see, that church stuff was a bunch of baloney, that Bible stuff, that religion stuff. Look, now you're really free. Yeah. You're going down the hill. You're going down the hill. But you go a ways. You start thinking, I'm really far from home. I better get back. And you know what? You never know how far you went down till you start the climb back up. Because I started going back up, and here's this wind. I mean, it's like 30-mile-an-hour wind coming at me, and this really steep hill. I said, this is what it's like when you believe the devil. You walk away, and you go in the flesh. Someday, you're going to have to come back, friend. And it's not going to be any fun. That's why Paul said, whatever you've achieved in God, don't let go of it. Hang on to it. You're not what you will be, but you're not what you once were either. Whatever progress you've made, hang on to it. Don't let it be robbed from you. Hang on to your walk with God. Hang on to your prayer life. Hang on to your understanding of Scripture, your knowledge of God's will. Hold it close. Listen to what he says in verse 17 and 19, and we're going to close out. Stick with me, friends. This is the Message Bible. Philippians 3, 17 and 19. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course, headed for this same goal. The, the people who are really walking with God, walking their talk, says keep track of them. It's not your talk, it's your walk that confirms the authenticity of your faith. Talk is cheap, walk is expensive. He says walk, watch the ones who are walking it and not just talking it and hang with them. Don't hang around with people that are driving down that hill with the wind at their back and they're walking in the flesh. You're all going to hit the bottom together. And there ain't no friends at the bottom of that hill. There are many people out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and some of them are in church. Not everybody that sits in church is walking with God. Is that news to you? And they're trying to get you to go along with them. Come on, man. We can be moderate Christians. Let's be moderates for a while. 
let's go lukewarm for a season. Kind of chill. Don't run with them. You're going down together. Look what Paul said. He said, I've warned you these kind of people many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. These people are described by Paul elsewhere. I like this. He said, quote, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Yeah, you can be exclusive. You can be and should be picky with who you run with. Pick them well. If they're picking up the cross and walking with him, hang with them. Paul makes it clear that there are only two ways to go, the way of the cross or the way of the flesh. The way of the flesh he calls easy street. (laughs) But easy street, I like this, but easy street, Paul says, is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods, belches are their praise. What about that? Belches. What are they doing? Who knows? They're belching. And that's their praise. I like getting with people on Wednesday nights and worshiping God. All right? Now, (laughs) I love the Message Bible. Belches are their praise. There's something about that. I just wanted to say it. All they can think of is their appetites. That's all they're about is their appetites. It may look easy, but fleshly people are enslaved to their lower natures. And they're being destroyed by sin, no matter how good they make it look. They're being destroyed by sin daily. The way of the cross is difficult, but it's the way to life. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you're going to have to pick up your, or turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. And the gist of these final verses, let's stand together. Y'all have been great tonight. The gist of these final verses in chapter 3 is that we are to live according to who we are in God, and that is we are citizens of heaven. You can read this with me, can you? But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like His own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Let's give him a hand of praise, can we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to help us. Let go of the past. Whatever it takes, if we need inner healing, heal us, Lord. Deliverance, deliver us, Lord. And Lord, help us to pick as our friends those who have picked up the cross. Be wise in our associations. And help us, Lord, to hang tightly to what we have achieved in God and not let it go. Now, I want you to take a minute. I I believe you've been moved by the word. I want you to take a minute and just pray whatever God has put on your heart and we'll close. Just say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord.